Hello and welcome back to OT and Chill, all things occupational therapy with me, Kwaku. On the show today, I catch up with Alex Thomas, a third year occupational therapy student, to talk about what it's like being a student during this COVID-19 pandemic. We also talk about some of his placement experiences and delve into a new podcast that's recently started, which I think is fantastic. Hope you enjoy the show and catch you on the other side. No, so today obviously we're getting together today to just have a, a bit of a uh, conversation about um, being a student during this uh, COVID-19 pandemic and what it's like actually being a final year student as well um, when you're just nearly there but you're, you're not just there yet. <laughs> um, yeah. So just just to kick off um, everything, how, just tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, where, where, how did you get into occupational therapy? That's the question I ask every, every OT that comes on, yeah, the, yeah. on the show. Well, how, right, what's, what's your what's your story? <laughs> um, so yeah, my name is Alex. Um, I'm 25, and I learned about occupational therapy when I was around about nine to ten years old. Um, only because my grandfather had a stroke and sadly passed away from it. Oh, and uh, basically, that, it, that, that's fine. Thank you, mate. Um, and at age of nine and ten, you don't really understand. You, you don't have a, a comprehension of what's been going on. Um, certainly what occupational therapy do, and certainly occupational therapists, and maybe um, working in conjunction with physiotherapists and speech and language therapists, it was, or you know the therapy package anyway. But me and my mother were talking about it recently, and basically she was the pioneer for me getting into occupational therapy um, when I was about 15. Uh, in every school you have to do a bit of a work experience and she said to me looking at your values Al and your, you know what you, you're good at you're quite a caring individual why didn't you look into maybe healthcare and I said oh, I don't, don't know where to start what do you want me to become a doctor as everyone sort of associates <laughs> with healthcare um, and uh, she said no no you there's a profession called occupational therapy that your grandfather started with you know and started to incorporate when he was in his recovery and then obviously sadly passed away from and uh yeah, she mentioned it to me, and I basically went into different pathways of occupational therapy then, ranging from community adult to community peds. Um, I was very fortunate, you know what it's like now, um, with maybe getting into um, shadowing. It's quite, it can be quite difficult in some yeah. certain practice areas, but I really learned about it that way. And then I wanted to go straight into uni from some sixth form, A-levels, but I didn't get the A-levels to go straight in. So I applied um, as an OT tech, in my local hospital, just on the off chance of trying to try and get in. Um, I was very lucky to have a good personal relationship with the, the lead there. And uh, she said, yeah, you apply and see what the interview process is like and, you know, sort of best man slash woman wins sort of thing, you know, and see how you, you, you get lucky. Oh, I say lucky, but yeah, fortunately I got it. So I spent five years as an occupational therapy technician before three years ago applying to Carter. Oh. So yeah, it's, mad world amazing how did you find uh, being a tech i loved it absolutely loved it the first um first probably five to six months because i had only just um shadowing experience and obviously educational point of view um i had to learn very quickly about assessments interventions that we did how do we evaluate who do we refer to um who do we signpost to external agencies everything i learned on the job i was very fortunate um and after six months, it just all sort of clicked together. And I was running. I had, uh, you know, as I built trust with other occupational therapists, it, I was in acute setting originally. Um, they gave me my own caseload. 
um, obviously under supervision of an OT. Mm. Um, and then um, I was on a part-time contract of 26 hours. And then our team lead came in and said, oh, we got a bit of additional funding. Would you be happy to be made full-time on a conditional basis that you cover two hospitals? So one's rehab, one's acute. And I just, every chance that came up, I took because it was just more experience, more dynamic understanding of where occupational therapy can fit. Um, and then before I went to uni, because my plan was always to do it, um, I thought, well, I'm at the top of my band three level. Mm. I'm going to try a band four just to see what the difference is like. Obviously, as you know, when you come out of uni, you expect to be at a band five level. Um, so I just wanted that experience for you. Well, it was nine months in total. Um, and then in February 2017, I was like, right, I got enough experience now. I played the uni, got in. And I was like, right, I'm going to take six months of traveling. <laughs> so I went traveling as well. Oh, nice, nice. I suppose you got to have a bit of... Um... Uh, yeah. a, bit, a bit of that break as well because it's, it's uh, studying is, is quite difficult and you, from when you've been working even part-time or full-time for a long period of time you just yeah, need yeah. to be able to relax a little bit because it's quite intense um, so uh, you've been studying for three years how have you how have you found your study so far in comparison um, to obviously when you was working yeah 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 um, to be fair it's, it's definitely challenging um First year, I think, is a lot about the fundamentals of occupational therapy, the science behind it, and um, as what humans do, you know, occupational beings, and, and you sort of apply that and get a bit of a feeling for it. Second year, I, I always say, even with my experience, second year almost broke a lot of us because it's just intense, it's very lot of, of essays, um, you just feel like it's just no stopping, <laughs> you just feel like it just keeps coming at you. Um, and obviously now just speaking about food, which we'll go into depth about is uh, I've loved it because it's just tying up the loose ends because you've, you've done the majority of the work. Don't get me wrong, you've got your dissertation to do and stuff like that, but you know, it is, it, you, you manage it. But I, I would recommend it to anyone because the practical experience I had has definitely come in good stead for just um, certainly rounding the rough edges and maybe in my practice, you yeah. know, you get into bad habits, certainly as a um, institutionalized and certainly with other like sort of areas of work you just seem to get used to how it all flows together yeah. and sometimes i think that's just one way of working where actually there's yeah, many other ways no you're right i suppose you're you're in a uh, fortunate position because you did go into the um studying to become a qualified therapist um with a, with a lot of experience and a lot of like uh, probably know how how the health system works and some of the challenges so so when you can you recall when you went on your first placement, kind of what you was expected to do and what kind of level of experience that you felt that you had, and you was like, oh, "This what? Does this make sense or doesn't make sense?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I don't like people who are not not a cocky. That's the wrong term, but a very full of like you know, very confident in what they can do. I like to think I've always said if you think you know everything, it's time to hang up the gloves as a therapist because there will always be something that throws up something that's going to change your mindset or change what you have to do um so on my first placement um which we'll go into depth about was within the prison service and community adult rehab and um yeah i within card if you have a marking criteria so it, it goes on um if you have distinction or pass yeah. or it basically works in percentages and um Every student will say they don't worry about the marking, but every student is lying as well because they <laughs> want the highest mark they can get. Um, but I certainly think you've got to go into a note of mind in your first placement because it's such 
I know Cardiff have changed it now, but when we did it, it's such a short time. It's only five weeks. It's very short to get your foot in, very short to feel like you you, you got your teeth into it. Um, but it's very rewarding at the same time because that's sometimes the only place or the first real taste you're going to get of what it is like in practice and maybe understand not just the, the clinical pressures but also the environmental pressures you're yeah. going to have from it. Yeah, oh, it, so, seems yeah like so. he, it sounds like you were in good stead going into that. Um, talking about that... Um, prison placement that's quite a difficult placement to put a first year student in how did you how did you were you asked by it before you went in there or was you just placed there because it's not very uh i would have felt it would have been uh more appropriate for like a third year student but obviously yeah yeah definitely how, how did that come about it was, yeah so um our educator uh you know our placement educator sorry so um, they, they obviously coordinate where everyone's going on placement. And I knew probably about, we were going out, oh, I can't, I think it was in the March we were going out. And I knew in the December where I was going because uh, my personal tutor, who was coordinating the placement, uh, emailed me and said, uh, we know that you're quite, you've got a lot of experience as a technician. So we don't want to put you maybe in, in an acute setting, not to say that's not a bad thing, but there's an opportunity here of, of working in the prison service. It's the first time we've had this placement. Um, and they've asked for an experienced student because they know the, the challenges that might present from it. Um, would you, do you feel that it, it could match the, what you want to do? And as you know, you know, I literally just took their hands off and I was like, yeah, absolutely. It's such a, di- like you say, diverse area to work in. Yeah. Um, and certainly within Wales now, because um, of the Social Service and Wellbeing Act, you know, it, it certainly allowed our profession to situate into that area. Um, I learned so much on that placement about myself as well, not just, you know, about the profession and how it works. Um, I like to think I'm quite an empathetic person. Like, I care about others and I want to, you know, try and understand from their lens what's actually been happened. And within the prison service, you know, you have um, certainly sometimes you're going to be placed as hierarchy status. You know, the prisoners feel they're quite low in that sense or you know, in, in, in where they're placed. And you try and understand how you can improve that because we know it's about physical and mental well-being. Yeah. Um, but sometimes there's, there's things out of our control that we can't control, you know. And it's, so it's tell me about tell yeah. me about the, 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 the placement. Was it uh, was it more of a physical-based um, placement or was it more of a, a mental health-based placement? Or I know we have to mix both of them, but which one, yeah, which yeah, one was the yeah. predominant um uh, service what, what was uh, it like? definitely definitely physical at the time definitely physical um only because i think it was such a new arena for both myself educator they, they've been there for a year and a half really established themselves um but a lot of it was around how they can make the physical environment better for those individuals but that doesn't mean they weren't looking at their mental health um because they were looking at giving them ownership over um, obviously one their rooms and the sharing components but they also give them like roles in the prison mm. so sort of saying um, could you be a buddy buddy system for other people implemented the buddy system so that they could help maybe um, elderly prisoners to be more independent so it was giving that delegation down to others and that was the first really sort of understanding I understood about delegation really because obviously I was as a tech I had the delegated to me mm. and then when I was a student I was delegating to others and it was that understanding and cooperation of thinking crikey this is a di- you know looking at it from the different side you've got a lot of trust in these people but obviously they built that rapport that ability that understanding um, so yeah it was 
it was amazing placement. And I think I always said um, when I came back, you've got to send someone who is either, like you said, a third year because they can make so much more of a placement like that because 12 weeks, maybe evaluating it. Um, but also it just gives you so much insight because yeah. I just didn't know how it all worked. Yeah. How long was the placement then? So it was it's, it's, so it was six weeks assessment placement, um, but basically it was five weeks because you spend the first week in uni trying to get understand like policy legislation, okay, um, what they expect from you, all of that stuff. So they, they, it was five weeks in the prison service. Itself. Okay, so uh, I'm I'm not really uh, sure how the prison service works in um, Wales yeah. or Cardiff. How many how many prisons do you have to keep, like, in your, in the area? I don't know if there's many, um, so, I, I don't know, I'm not sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there's quite a few. I'll, have, I'll probably have to do a bit of research because I didn't really look into that because it was one in one. I was based in two, um, both in, um, so like on the border of England and Wales. Okay. And it was one an open prison and one, um, I'm sure, the Cat D prison. Um, but basically, you know, there's, I say minor offences, there's some offences, but they were, they were placed there for a period of time. Um, obviously in Cardiff we have one main prison I think that's higher ranking but we haven't as far as I'm aware we haven't had a placement there okay um, so, but still it was it was interesting to know about the prison service and how it worked and also because it was a split placement between prison service and then community rehab I just got the best of both worlds so I see understood how the community occupational therapists work um, and then how maybe someone based in that in an environment would work such as the prison um, yeah, I learned so much that would carry me through then. Um, it was, yeah, it was, it was incredible. What was it like your first day walking into the, into the prison? So, um, I always, I always used to say to someone, you know, like the television shows you see of the prison and then there's people standing up on the, on the ring above you. Like an American prison. looking down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I walked through and I looked up. And the first day you think, I don't know if I can do this. It just felt quite intimidating, but it wasn't intimidating because it wasn't that type of type of environment. I just think you have these stereotypes in your head and, and you, you think of like, uh, like you say, American prisons and films and you think, oh, great, you, you know, you're going to see people fighting every day here or, you know, <laughs> what's going on. But it, it wasn't anything like that. It, I, the first day I felt quite intimidating, but the, the first, after the first week had gone, mm. um, I just felt, Stones Wayne strength felt home, felt that you know I could link with these individuals, and like we say, the occupational therapy, um, like the whole process, just fit it. It made sense there because there was people saying, "I don't know what I meant to be doing in this environment," and um, I'll, I'll go on to like because it, it, it stemmed my dissertation basically. Okay. Um, and my dissertation was is about interactive technology and how we can utilize it. So can we utilize it to one help assessments or can we help resettle people back into into their own environment such as society um, when they've been in maybe confined long-term pl placements mm. for so long mm. you, know, you know it's such an interesting concept mm. so i it was it just it just asked opinions on that really um it must have been quite a shock I'm, not... I'm just thinking it just came to my head like working in a acute setting uh every day and obviously people people come there because they're very ill um and then all of a sudden bang like you're you're behind these like locked doors or um and then like it's not the same type of clients that you're working with um how how did that shift feel like to because you because uh, your first year I, I, I don't know how long it takes um 
during the first year until you go to your placements but it, it, yeah, let's yeah. say you, you traveled for six months and then straight in so you're basically still used to working <laughs> with a certain yes. type of yeah. um, person and all of a sudden you're working with this type of person um how did that feel like what was that shift like i think i think it was um yeah i know what you mean i think it was it can be quite difficult and certainly um it made me understand a lot more in the sense of the diversity of way occupational therapy work because like you said I, from an acute setting point of view um you can sometimes maybe silo yourselves I, not necessarily a bad thing but it, it's, it's because of the you know the environment the pragmatic stuff that goes around it um but within a, a prison series like, it was it's something just new and it actually that made me understand that actually it wasn't just one way of working yeah and my edu- my educator said to me one day, and it was honestly every educator I've had has been brilliant. And they said, she said to me, Alex, just stop putting pressure on yourself because you think you're still a technician. You're going from that technician role now to be an occupational therapist. You have to learn the whole process. And that's when I went, okay, let it release. Um, and I, I met one individual who was being resettled back into society, um, and he, he couldn't. He didn't know how to catch a bus. Didn't know how to catch the train service because he'd been in this environment for so long. Mm. wasn't aware of how to do things. And um, and like I said about my dissertation, that's where that idea came from. But to make that work, I made a pictorial guide for him to say, "This is what the bus looks like that you need to catch. This is the number of it. This is what you're gonna see when you board it. This is the actions you have, you know, go through. Um, this is what a train looked like." And it was just a breakdown of each step. A bit like an occupational analysis, I suppose, mm. but or activity analysis, sorry. Um, but it was just it reduces anxiety level so down because we just looked at what is it, you know, not just the problem he had, but how can we look past that issue yeah. and ensure that he had more of a a resettlement than mm. just a through the gate, off you go, see how yeah, you go. That's you know? the kind of that's some of the difficulties that uh, I suppose people that have been inside uh, any sort of institution. institution uh, for long periods of time be it in a prison or being a forensic mental health unit or just a just a general mental health unit which some people are in there for uh, long periods it's because uh, the world changes so quickly I suppose so yes. we have to be yes. able to uh, be aware that the world is changing and how can we help the person adapt to it once they uh, get I don't know get back into the community because that's the really tricky bit um, taking that first step in the community when you don't know how to uh, catch a bus just like you described or you don't know what train to catch so I, I, I think again you had the experience and you were informed by your um, educator that you, that you have to think like an occupational therapist now so going through that process of not just being told what to do that I think I think that was a very good advice um, that you were given yeah. actually and then I, it prompted you to be able to be aware to do all those things that you just described I'm thinking about um, some of some of the other uh, placements that you've had. Um, How different has it been to your first placement? (laughs) So um, I've been very fortunate. Um, Like my second placement was um, a community adult rehab again, which just compounded basically how uh, rehabment could have worked or frailty or uh, you know uh, they call it discharge to assess now like pathways um but my third and fourth placement my third placement was a specialist dementia intervention care team which looked at the in care homes 
um, trying to reduce challenging behaviors that can be sometimes associated with dementia. Mm. Um, and, and really gave that person-centered approach that was really, really just compounded where occupational therapy fit and where it had its role in the wider MDT approach and with those clientele. Um, and my final placement, um, they, they put me on a role emerging placement. So where there was no occupational therapist um, and to try and see if there was a, a an opportunity for an occupational therapist to work within this particular setting. Um, so it was a housing association, mm. but it, it wasn't um, just looking at maybe age adaptations, um, you know, major um, adaptations such as, you know, fruitful lifts or wet rooms or anything like that. It was actually looking at employment. So individuals who had been long-term unemployed and how we could get them back into employment and improve their mental health. And I know one of your questions was, where did it stem from, like my, my passion for mental health? I think it probably didn't stem from there because I always believed in that everyone's an individual, that, you know, their mental health is individualized. You can't sometimes categorize that. But what you can categorize is maybe the channels they go into that will help them recover mm. in the sense of what what they're currently going through. And it's about that ownership and control for people. You know, they, they need to feel like they own maybe that said issue, that said problem to then move on to the next part. We need to break that down for them to understand mm. instead of just saying, okay, looking at it from here, they shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, that's great. That's sympathy with people saying, oh, you know, you you know, you shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, they probably know that, but be empathetic, <laughs> walk a mile in their shoes, understand the situation and the issues they may have, and then you can really relate where we're going with our directionship. Yeah. So that's, you know, and that's, that helped me then in that um, in that placement, really, because it was, it was physical, and there's no denying that. I helped with, you know, adaptations, aids, um, working with community occupational therapists to get that equipment in, um, referring on if I felt that it needed more specialised input, such as, um, you know, uh, they call them physical adaptation grants here, but, you know, such as DFGs and certain things like that. Um, referred that on, but then I was working with individuals and their mental health and giving them, a, I always say, a purpose with an occupation. So really understanding what's dra drawing them in, what's making them tick, really, yeah. and what's making them feel valued. Um, so yeah, it was you know that placement alone. Like I've, I, honestly, my my three years in university have been brilliant. They've been hard, and there's no denying that. And I feel like I, I'm saying it as if I finished. I'm not finished yet, but it's it's absolutely incredible what you can do whilst on a placement. It's yeah. not just you're just a student. You're actually there to show actually there's another gear to go with occupational therapy. You can always develop yeah. and always you know improve. No, it sounds really interesting. Your your final placement. Uh, I, I'm guessing you, you finished that one. You're, you're one of the lucky ones that's managed to yeah, finish yeah, yeah. your placement. Um, yeah. uh, leading us on to being a student, in, even in your final fin, final year, um, nearly qualified, yeah. um, and then bang, this pandemic hits. <laughs> um, I know. How, yes. how has it affected you um, as a student? And what, what is like, what kind of things have your university done to yeah. support you guys so, through this? So, Hmm. So, um, we're talking about a month ago now, aren't we? Mm. Um, so, yeah, basically it was in the midst of our it's about the midst of our dissertation. So our dissertation was originally due on, um, I think it was April 21st, but they've extended that now because of the, the pandemic. 
Um, but I was very fortunate that I was quite ahead of the game with my, my dissertation. I started it very early on. And I was, I'm, I'm pretty much finished it now. Still going through it, but even, you know, it's, it's done. It's, it's, it's can be it. Um, it was, it was really strange because I was in the library the, the one day and the next, everything was shut from university point of view. Cardiff were very, um, there was other university maybe a bit quicker, but Cardiff very much acted promptly and said, right, that's it. We're going to blank it, you know, shut it down, but everything will be remote. And I think you got to really have sympathy with the lecturers for that because it must be very difficult having a cohort of, well, not even just our cohort, but year one, two, and three, that's just undergrad, there's postgrads and masters and everything, to try and contain that and give that overview to other individuals. I think as third years, we're, we're probably the most, not lucky, that's the wrong term, but everything can be done remotely because you know your dissertation is submitted remotely or online, so is your essay. Um, the only things that we've sort of had difficulty with is not the formative stuff as a mm. group work. Yeah, and I think I think that's just because of the challenges of um, other you know students having difficulties in maybe in their own lives trying to coordinate everyone. Who you know, I live in Wales, and someone might live in the Midlands, you know, but they've lived in Cardiff for the duration, but they've gone home, you know, and it's trying to coordinate all of that sort of yeah, issues. I think is the most challenging. That's tough. Though. Yeah. Have you had to have any like uh, online like, classes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've had we only had two, um, just because I think it's new for, the, for them as well, the university, um, and they've been decent. You know, everyone's got internet problems, haven't they? And they keep dropping out and microphone issues and everything else. Yeah, it. To be fair, you know, they've said, "Oh, we'll we'll do a session today." Um, and it was on like one of our case studies so we presented that as a group um, fed back of it and it, you you got to do what you got to do in those instances you know they, they're just making sure that we're on the right track for when our summative stuff comes through that we have that knowledge to apply it and then when we submit that presentation that they, they're ensuring that we have understanding ability um, application you know all of those things so I don't um, I, I can't praise them enough as a university for what they've done. You know, I, I, I think it's such a difficult thing, isn't it? You're rocking a hard place. You're not going to please everyone. No. Um, no. But as, as, you, as you know, um, we're, there's a currently HCPC temporary registration. So if you have completed your placements, um, the likelihood is you're expected to be put onto that. But there's no expectation you will work. So they're sort of saying that you can work as a band five um, if the health boards are where you're going to work accept that and you start work earlier but you still haven't got the actual registration behind you at the present moment okay is that what, is um, that what I they're saying i haven't I haven't seen that i haven't had privy to that uh, is that what they're saying for a final year students yeah yeah so um obviously third years across the whole of the if, if they've completed all their placement hours and they're confident then the university are happy to they place them on a list and um, it's called the hcpc temporary registration because of covid19 and basically it means that you still have the so your code would be for a student occupational therapist would be SOT, so student occupational therapist, yeah. and then um, whatever number you are entered on our list. So that would be one to probably a thousand and fifty or whatever. Um, so you, then you'd have a HCPC registration, but you're not actually you are registered, but you're not because you're not officially qualified. Yes, of course, yeah, of course. Um, so the, the guidance is on that is that you can use the title occupational therapist but you've got to be open and honest saying you know I, I, I'm i coming in to help with the current you know pandemic 
the current demands that are placed on this service. I am literally just come out of university. I've had four, you know, you, you explain that to a yeah. patient and then they have the understanding and service understanding of actually, okay, they may not know everything, um, but they, you know, they, they do have that ability to apply. Do you so, know of any yeah. of your um, fellow students who've have taken that on board, uh, of like actually going, taking it and actually going to work in the hospitals to help out the... Um, yeah, so, um, so a couple of them, uh, very fortunately got jobs, um, including myself. Um, but the, obviously that was on the basis of once we qualify, they're still figuring it out. So we still haven't actually been officially placed on that temporary register. And okay. from what I understand is they're going to send a list out of where we have preference to work. So they then send that to the health boards and say, look, we have a student occupational therapist willing to work in this health board or this area would you like to take that up and here's their contact details and then it's up to us and then obviously whoever that would be with the university obviously in the middleman to liaise with that and make sure we're not you know putting too much stress on the service or also vice versa really um so again it's, it's it as much as i'm saying about that that's what i interpret it's going to be like um it may be slightly different and i'll probably email you if it's, it is slightly different <laughs> but um yeah it's you know it is yeah. Thinking about uh, um, what all this is happening in the world, and you guys just about to qualify, what do you what do you think is going to look like when you guys actually do get your roles and start working um, in different settings? Uh, what 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 do you think the impact of um, COVID is going to be on you? I think I think it's going to be a massive placement. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, placement. There's going to be massive massive emphasis on um, anxiety, possibly depression possibly mental health services that need a lot of support in the sense of what's the lasting effects. Because um, you, you, you look at the news bulletins and you see a lot about, um, and rightfully so, doctors, nurses, respiratory physios, um, speech and language therapists don't get shouting out enough for what they can do in that current initial acute stage. Um, but certainly I think where we sit is helping with the patient flow of maybe because social care issues don't stop no you know it's still going to continue um but certainly within that recovery stage of fatigue that someone might experience from last and effects of maybe covid19 um and how that is transcribed then into into their lives and building that long-term independence for them because as we know people we work with will say well i, I used to do that say seven weeks ago I want to be doing it again and then we're using our scientific reasoning to say actually is there a potential for that and if not we have to adapt something yeah. or adapt the occupation to then fulfill their their value and their belief in that occupation um and it you know i we've got a massive role to play absolutely massive role i i always believe we're one of the very fortunate very i think it's the best, best profession in the world yeah. i'll continue to say that but we do have a big part to play and certainly, I know our therapy colleagues value us. It's just making sure that we're we're in the right arena at the right time. Yes. And ensuring, you know, it's not just in the acute section for no sake. It's actually ensuring, okay, can we get their functional level back to a level of sense of, as they're improving maybe in intensive care, can we get them sitting on the edge of the bed? Can they do some sort of occupation that can then build their recovery to then move to a, a rehabilitation medical ward? You know, when your process begins and then yeah. you see a new occupational or, 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 you know, carry it through. So we have a part play in every single one. It's just making sure we have the right speciality and skills set from that person at the right time. Um, as for newly qualified, I know a lot. there's a lot of fear 
sometimes a little bit of apprehension because um like some one person put it to me before as a baptism of fire you know he's something of you yeah. know you, sh- you know is this, is this the right is this the right time and i think actually is there ever a right time you know you could put it off for, forever couldn't you i suppose it's very it's this is it's very very tricky if you're if you're someone that doesn't mind being in an acute setting or doesn't mind being in a community rehab role or anything yeah. like that then it's not it, it might not seem like about to baptism of fire but if it's someone that have, hasn't really got much of an interest in the in the, that yeah, kind of side, side you think oh, oh gosh what's going to happen well when i go there am i going to be uh am i going to have to work with people who have had this experience but on on the yeah. flip side of that as well just even the people those of us who haven't had it um who are not going to get it fingers crossed are still gonna uh, yes. be experiencing um, uh, some difficulties with our mental health state, um, th- the way we approach people in the in the community, the way we behave in the community now is going to change. Uh, our routines are going to yeah. change, and it, it could change for the better or it could change for the worse for some people. And that's when yeah. some other occupational therapists who might not might be more interested in that side of um, work might be. Uh, needed more and I think uh, I, I think going forward um, we all have a role to play uh, and I, yeah. I, I, but I, I have, I, I'm a little bit fearful for newly qualified because you, you guys are being put into the um, into the world when it's really going to be there's a lot of change um, going to be happening yeah. in different settings in, in the NHS there's a lot going to change um, in, by, like, by next year or a few years time um, so I just wonder how we're all going to be dealing with it. And I don't have I don't have the answers. No one no one knows what the future holds. No. <laughs> so, so hopefully next year everyone uh, will will hopefully have adapted um, well to it. Yeah, um, what well, one of the things that uh, we we talked about previously was um, you have your own and you've mentioned it uh, earlier on as well about uh, your passion for mental health and you've described it yeah. um, very well. Uh, but you also run your own podcast. I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell me, tell me, tell me more about that. Um, so yeah, it, it came from um, two service users I, I worked with um, um, in my last placement, and um, one of the concepts was they, they really cared about other people. They were really empathetic and really wanted to um, provide their wisdom to others. They've lived through maybe some circumstances surrounding mental health. Um, but certainly felt like they've come through the other side of it and had this knowledge of how to overcome it. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, fair enough, I understand that. And they, they were like sort of peer mentors and helping others in different situations, more in a community, you know, that you know the volunteering groups that you have, yeah. different things, they were incorporating those. And um, I mindfully said to them, I said, you're not going to fix world problems in one day. It's impossible to do that. But... I said, sometimes you can reach a wider audience through the means of technology. And I said, if you feel that you have all of this knowledge, how are you portraying it? And they said, oh, well, we're just helping with the housing association, which is fine, absolutely brilliant. And I said, would you be interested in a podcast? Because I, I listened to so many podcasts, and I'm yours included. Great, you know, I, I listened to, to yours, and I listened to... Um, uh, there's a, um, who's the other one? Occupied, oh, Brock. I can't remember now. Brock. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. and 
I, I listen to all sorts of different podcasts just because it one helps with what my meaningful occupation is of running and I you know it just it, it makes me free my it gives me a wider concept of what other people look through their their, their mind and, and the lens that they look in through the world mm-hmm. so I think oh it gives you a different opinion on certain things um so I just said to the housing association and my supervisor or yeah my educator at the time and I said um I'm thinking of doing this, um, but I want to voluntarily do it in the sense of not from an occupational therapy point of view. I, I would just help coordinate and upload it for them. Um, but what ended up happening was obviously, I can't keep my mouth shut. My opinion obviously got involved in it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I, I do say on there, you know, that I try not to put my occupational therapy spin on a lot of things. There, there is obviously bits I say about, you know, purpose and um, individuals having meaningful occupations. I do put that in because it, once you're an occupational therapist, you're always going to be one. Um, and you always have that mindset. But it certainly was just about reaching. I said, if, if you can help one person more that you've never seen, then that's got to be a positive thing. Mm. And what it give, what it give these two individuals was it gives them, it give them a purpose, but it also give them a value into something that was wider. And that's what I wanted it to be an intervention for them. Um, what's happened is that it's kind of an intervention for me as well. Um, and and once there's going to be a stage where I'm going to have to let that go, that sort of that baby grow for them. So then they can incorporate other people. Um, and it can be a co-occupation for them too. Um, but it's just not the right stage. It's coming at a really bad time, this pandemic, (laughs) you know, to sort of pass that baby on a little bit. Um, but it, it has, you know, I, we use um, a platform named Anchor and I think you might use a similar one um, and it, it really was the first episode I had no expectations for it I publicised it um, on like my, my Twitter page and different things just to get it out there but it, it gathered so much speed because people were saying actually yeah you know when there is sometimes you're focusing on mental health um, you can't see clearly where to direct go and sometimes you don't maybe want to speak about it yeah. which you can do yeah. um, but sometimes you may want to listen to something and someone else's experience of it and that's what those sessions were about was just basically saying we know you may have wisdom around this what worked for you it might not work for everyone yeah. but at least it gives a glimpse of hope for someone else and that's where it came from no, it's, it's, uh, I've listened to um, a few of them and I find it fascinating because I love listening to personal experiences of people because that's where yeah. every, every single one of us is different um, and personal experience is so powerful um, and especially I can imagine uh, people with um, uh, mental health living with mental health uh, they might experience uh, very similar things um, yeah. and if they do experience similar things might, they might not talk about it but actually given the platform that um, they might people might be able to share that and like just like you just said some people might just want to listen actually say oh this this applies to me actually I maybe I could try it this way and uh, I think personal experience is just a powerful tool and 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 one of the things that uh, one of the ones that I listened to was talking about loneliness uh, and I, I felt that was quite a powerful thing and, and a lot of the <laughs> what's happening in the world right now um, is going to cause a lot of people to feel quite lonely actually um, yeah. Uh, yes, there might be an influx of technology and uh, 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 internet broadcasting and Zoom conversations and Skype yeah, this yeah, and yeah. All, Instagram <laughs> this and all that, but not everyone has access to that. So um, I think loneliness is such a it's gonna it's gonna play a big impact. So remember what I just mentioned before about the kind of things that occupational therapy might be able to help with. Um, 
But as this pandemic comes to an end, one of the things that we probably have to really look out for is the effects of loneliness. And when I listened to your podcast, I thought that was quite uh, expressed quite well. Um, so I've uh, just, uh, I think sometimes the wider community needs to learn from some people with personal experience because sometimes that's what yeah. you <laughs> you tend to uh, you, you tend to learn a lot more and people have actually lived, lived through very difficult times um so it's quite impressive so what's your podcast called again just for just oh for, sorry for it's, um, yeah you didn't advertise it, it, it very well man <laughs> i sorry i didn't give a plug to it oh, give no, yourself a um, plug it's called the Big MH podcast, but obviously it, it's basically a spin on words of saying like the big mental health, the elephant in the room that no one likes to talk about because it sometimes can be a difficult conversation. Mm. So yeah, if you look on um, any major platform, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, it's if you type in the Big MH, it should come up um, with the Big MH podcast. So yeah, fantastic. Now, well done, well done for doing that. I think it's a fascinating thing, and and you've done that. You're not just a student; you're 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 your own man. But you um you've done that whilst you you've used that experience that you've had. You've you figured it out. You've given someone a a, a voice, and that, the kind of things that we talk about in occupational therapy when we're working with people is empowering people yeah. to be to do things, you know. And you've given you've empowered a couple of people to talk about the experience, and it's and it's very powerful. So um now well done for that, and I hope people oh, can yeah. go go ahead and listen to it um, i'll put the links into the um the show notes um just for people to give it give it a listen but no definitely keep keep doing that and um thank you so much for coming to talk to me today oh thank you mate yeah no, um, it's been an absolute pleasure um and then uh hopefully when you qualify we can catch up and talk about all, all the new things that you're getting up to yeah <laughs> definitely mate and obviously just a plug for yourself if anyone obviously they would have listened to this but <laughs> give them sam baker's um episode a big listen to because it's such an interesting concept what he talked about and you know like you said about dark occupations with um with uh keir Hardin. it's such an on it's such an interesting concept isn't it yeah. it's something that's talked about loosely sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but actually you know how that is it a meaningful occupation actually to some people it is, so, yeah. yeah no it's amazing thank you so much ryan thank you um cheers, we man. catch up soon okay yeah cheers mate Thank you so much, Alex, for coming on the show today. I really enjoyed talking to him about his experiences in occupational therapy so far, which is quite extensive for a student. So thank you so much. And I'm wishing all the students out there the very best for their careers going forward following the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, big shout out to Alex also for starting this podcast. It sounds like a really good project. And I wish him all the best with it. So until next time, guys, stay safe. See you later.